Once again, so great to be with you all, and we do covet your prayers for uh, a church plant in Oceanside. Today's sermon <clears throat> comes from Mark, the 12th chapter, our gospel reading, and may the eyes of your hearts be enlightened to know the breadth and the width and the depth that God has for you in his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. I recently received an email from a charity that I donate to, and they announced to me that I'm now part of the 500 Club. And according to what I give, based on what I make, it's rather a meager donation. And I have a little problem with it as well, because what happens if somebody who makes less than I do, but gives more of a percentage based on their budget, well, they should be part of the $500 million club, right? And I realize why they do that. They want to recognize people who are giving donations. But this morning in our text, we have one who gave all, but was recognized by none, except for the one who really counts, and that is Jesus. And however, Jesus gives a warning, doesn't he, to those who uplift themselves over others. He says, beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like respectful greetings in the marketplace, the chief seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets, who devour widows' houses and for appearance's sake offer long prayers, these will receive greater condemnation. And isn't this the way our fleshly world works to seek notoriety and fame above others. And that's why I'm so glad here at Reformation Lutheran Church that the pastors sit here amongst you, the priesthood of all believers. We wear a black shirt reminding ourselves and you that we're sinners just like you. And we wear the long robes reminding us that you have been robed with Christ's righteousness. And we wear the stole to remind you and to remind myself that it's my job each and every Sunday and Pastor Ken's job each and every Sunday to preach the gospel to you. These are all reminders of the gifts that God has graciously bestowed upon you. And in our gospel reading this morning, Mark recorded, and he sat down opposite the treasure 
and began observing how the people were putting money into the treasury. And many rich people were putting in large sums. Notice, Jesus was the one that was sitting and observing and watching. He saw the Pharisees take their prominent seats wearing their Sunday's best. He was aware of how much people were placing in the offering baskets. Jesus keened in on the fact that the rich and the well-off put their offerings out of their abundance. These were just a drop in the bucket compared to their monthly budget. But in contrast, an elderly widow had put just in one of the smallest coins, a mite, which, believe it or not, is only three minutes of a daily wage. But yet it was all that she had. And Jesus commented, he says, truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasury, for they all put out of their surplus. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she owned, all she had to live on. And in those days, most likely this widow had no one to take care of her. There was no social security. She had no pension or retirement. She had no 401k. She had no EBT card. But yet, she gave all that she had. Why? Why? Well, through faith, she was assured that God would be faithful to his covenant and his promises. That God would send a deliverer, a Messiah, to save her from her sin. Through faith, she had confidence that the Lord would provide for she knows that God knows every hair on her head. She knows that the birds of the air neither fret nor worry where their next meal is coming from. And in the same way, we pray, give us this day our daily bread, for thine is the kingdom forever and ever. Amen. And similarly, we have a distinct parallel in our Old Testament reading this morning. As the Israelites had chosen to worship foreign gods, God chose to prophesy through the prophet Elijah that there would be famine and drought, hopefully causing his people to repent and to return to the one and true God. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah and said, Arise, go to Seraphath, which belongs to Sidon, and stay there 
Behold, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. Notice another widow here. Circumstances haven't changed much, have they? Elijah asked the widow for a cup of water, and then he asks her for some bread. And the widow responds, As the Lord your God lives, I have no bread, only a handful of flour in a bowl and a little oil in a jar. And behold, I'm gathering a few sticks that I may go in and prepare for me and my son that we may eat it and die. You see, she would have loved to oblige Elijah. She was preparing herself and her son a funeral meal. You see, the famine had taken its toll. And the toll, the famine's toll, had won. Then Elijah commanded the widow to carry on her business first to bring him <clears throat> the bread, which was accustomed to the priestly sacrifices, and then <clears throat> bake the rest for themselves. What had changed? What changed? Well, after hearing the word of God through the prophet Elijah, faith was procured in the widow by these words. The bowl of flour shall not be exhausted, nor shall the jar of oil be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain on the face of the earth. As a result, she ate many days, and her bowl was never exhausted. We're quickly reminded of how our Lord, with just a couple fish and a few loaves of bread, fed 5,000 people. In our lessons this morning, we have three distinct people. First, we have the Pharisees who are caught up in self-righteousness and pride, wanting only to be seen in elaborate dress and taking the best seats in the house. And if we're honest, we're no better. We strive to be recognized and say, look what I've accomplished. Or we start comparing one another to each other. We might even say, I'm glad I'm not like that person. Secondly, we have the widow of Elijah's time, who had given up all hope, preparing for a funeral for herself and for her son, and was completely hopeless. And maybe you're feeling hopeless this morning. Perhaps you're feeling like you don't have enough money to pay the bills, to make ends meet. Or you won't have enough money for retirement, 
seemingly maybe some sort of relationship has fallen apart with your spouse or fam family member or your children. Maybe it's even greater than that. Maybe you've succumbed to the wiles of the wicked one, thinking that God has deserted you and abandoned you all together. Thirdly, we have the widow who gave her might, which was all that she owned. Through the gift of faith, she was assured that God was going to take care of her no matter what, no matter what her circumstances were. She was convinced that through the promises of God, her needs would be met both physically and spiritually. God did not abandon either of these widows, and neither has he abandoned you. We are all at the same time fall into one of these three categories. Sometimes we're prideful and we look at our works thinking that they're beautiful before God. Or sometimes we're like the widow after hearing Elijah's words, I believe, but yet help my unbelief. Or sometimes we're like the widow who gave the might, fully assured of God's goodness towards us in Christ. Wherever we're at today, we all want to say, Lord, have mercy, for I am a sinner. The writer of the Hebrews said, it is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes judgment. You have already died right here. You have already died once right here in the waters of your baptism. You have been crucified with Christ and buried with him and have risen anew out of the waters of your baptism and been made a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. But for those who are in unbelief, who disbelieve, God will judge. God will judge. However, you, Christians, have entered into the presence of God because Jesus was the fulfillment of what was to come. It was Jesus who entered into the Holy of Holies once to be your sacrificial lamb. The priests who didn't offer their own blood had to offer animal sacrifices. And they could only temporarily cover the Israelites' sin so that in God's manifest time, he crucified his only begotten son 
and by his atonement has put away your sin and mine for all eternity. Listen carefully to the writer of the Hebrews. He said that the offerings would be needed continually from the foundation of the world. Yet Jesus sacrificed himself only once, bearing the wrath of God upon himself and becoming a ransom for you, ushering you into his presence and assuring eternal life for you. And not only that, Christ was manifested once to conquer sin, death, and the devil at his first coming, but will usher into, without reference of sin, his eternal kingdom when he returns, and you will be glorified with Christ into heaven where there will be no more tears, no more sorrow, and no more sufferings. As the creation groans for the consummation of this age, we too eagerly await the bridegroom, our bridegroom, and in anticipation of what lies ahead. And while we wait, the Lord has prepared a meal for us. And as Elijah promised the widow that the bowl would not be exhausted, God's forgiveness here in the supper that you're about to partake in a moment will never be exhausted. God's altar stretches all the way around the circumference of the world. People this morning, before we have even taken communion, have already partook of the great banquet feast that the Lord has for us. And those who haven't gone to service yet will partake after us. The eternal banquet feast here where Christ nourishes and strengthens your faith that reassures you that you are forgiven, reassures you that through his body and blood he has promised to meet us here at the table this morning. In the name of Jesus, amen.